Um, <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Sorry, give me a second. Ha! Ha! No, she's not. Ah! Oh! 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 Yeah! Oh! Yeah! 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 Oh! Oh! Yeah! 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 Uh, I'm so, so excited. I'm so excited to do this. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. This reminds me of living with you. <laughs> What's really over the rainbow? Are drag queens capable of mind control? How many times has Beyonce been cloned? Can I get an amen? For too long, the heteronormative straight stream media has been hiding the truth, the sheer queer truth. But now she's coming out. And she wants the world to know. It's time to unveil the shocking answers to all of your burning questions. The truth is here. The truth is queer. So get used to it. We are Mr. Sister. And this is Queer Anon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Queer Anon with Mr. Sister. My name is Jordan Barbour. And welcome to... <laughs> it's really coming along. It's so good. It's so good now. It's so good now. I'm ashamed of how bad it was before, but I'm like really, you know, that's what Stockholm Syndrome will do. Uh, my name is Jordan Barbour. Welcome to another episode of Queer and On with Mr. Sister. I am here joined with my new regular co-host, one Mr. Randy Harrison. Say hello to the kids, Randy. Hello, kids. And we've got a special, special treat for you, kids. We've got the one and only Mika Ernest Jennings. Hey. Say hello to the kids, Mika. That is right. We hello, have children. We have the bestie from another testie who lives out westie and sucked on another breastie. His name is Mika <laughs> Ernest Jennings. You wrote I that. I'm straight up impressed. Worked on that for two days. <laughs> I straight up I impressed. I worked on that. <laughs> wow levels bitch i appreciate it i appreciate it i forgot to say and his attitude's always zesty let me go back and do it again hold on Ooh. the bestie from another testy who sucked on another breasty and now lives on the coast that's westy some say his attitude's zesty give it up for mr mika <laughs> big snaps big i'm snaps so look that. look look you guys the the well of creativity that I used to find so abundant and overflowing is now just really, you know, I'm just sticking a pail down there and just getting mud at the bottom because the water She's is dry. Uh, she is dry. I am a dry pussy. Um, Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I was saying like at the base of it is when you when you get to all like the minerals, you know, like yeah. the good stuff. Oh, like. Oh sure, like, you know, like, yeah. That's that's the 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 thick of it. But then you went and added dry pussy to it, and I don't know anything about that. That's well, a thick dry pussy, a, a thick dry pussy is, is... <laughs> thick dry pussy. <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> it's like a Sasquatch. Um... <laughs> okay, so kids, we have got a fantastic episode for you. We are going to be, of course, talking about one Mr. Little Nas X's. You always mi- say little. <laughs> As opposed to what? Lil. I, Lil. 
That requires a dexterity of the tongue that I just do not possess, and I won't do it. So that's what I've been practicing for the last two days. <laughs> Saying little. Uh, so we are talking about oh, Nas X's newest album named Montero, but mostly our pop culture moment this week is we are talking about the new video that old Nas X has released called That's What I Want. Let me tell you, ladies, that song is all I want for the rest of my mm. life. And that is leading us into a deep dive, considering that the video takes place in a high school. It's talking about unrequited high school love. We're going to be talking about life in high school, going back perhaps to some trauma, but hopefully not. And before that, we're going to be doing our newest segment, The Bottom Five. But of course, we are going to start the show as we always do with our check-in. Dr. Reverend Mika Ernest Jennings, how was your week or life? Um, she good. All right. Um, <laughs> no, my week has been fantastic. I am currently, you know, on the, the Westie, on the West Coast of the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And I am specifically in San Francisco, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood of Soma, if folks mm-hmm. know this environment, this neighborhood, this kiki, whatever. So it has been quite illuminating, I suppose. Life in Soma has been illuminating? It has. It has. It's been a nice kind of like reintroduction to the world after the past 18 months. I'm doing this residency and teaching gigs. So I'm here for work, but um, I am now back in a major city. And mm-hmm. so living life in a major city and also living life in a major city that I do not know, Mm. you know, outside of New York. I've been in New York the last 20 years. I'm sorry. (laughs) The last two years, because I'm young. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Me too. Yeah. It was just like a, just a skip. I've just been there for a second. (laughs) Um, So being here for just a second, but San Francisco is like legit grimy. Yeah. Yeah. The economic discrepancy is so dramatic between Mm -hmm. like blocks. Yeah. Even more so than New York that it's been quite stunning. So I can look out my window and I can see someone, you know, defecating into the street Mm. and then I can walk a block and there's (laughs) H&M. Yeah. That is America. B&M? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) B&H? No. (laughs) Whatever the letters mean. Um, So so that has been my week of just kind of um, getting used to being back out in the world Mm -hmm. with people and then specifically this world. I am in San Francisco currently because um, I guess I can say it like officially on the podcast. I am the visiting artist in residency at Stanford, the Moore resident. And um, I'm here teaching some classes at Stanford and, you know, ministering to the children about the acting and whatnot. And I guess that's my check-in. Pew, 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 pew. (laughs) (laughs) The worst. (laughs) Pew, 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 pew. All right, Randy Harrison, how the fuck has your week been? My week is good. I am on the West Coast now. So uh, like Mika, I have, hey, I'm up in Seattle, just adjusting to the rhythms of massive domesticity here and (laughs) 
and school. Uh, and it's good. Yeah. It's good. I went to a trampoline park this week. So, what? you know, I like, I love a trampoline park. It's a, a little difficult with a mask, uh, <laughs> but it was fun. And uh, yeah, that's about it. I've just started schoolwork. I'm, I'm shocked to discover, I think I like statistics. Granted, it's, I'm two weeks in and I'm sure I imagine it's going to get more challenging. Yeah. But um, because I've been reading research for like a year, it helps that I'm doing math with a context, whereas it used to just be like formulas and shit I'd have to memorize. But now right. I actually understand like the value of these formulas and how these numbers are being used. And there's a practical application that I'm aware of. And I think because all of my other classes are reading and writing, it's helpful to have something that there's just a solid answer. Like I'll just mm. do the problems and I'm done. I don't need to have to come up with a, you know, a theory or a, a hypothesis and prove it. I can just... Well, actually, that's kind of what I do have to do. <laughs> but it, it, there's like a complete lack of creativity in a way and like a satisfaction of getting an absolute correct answer, mm. um, which is what I used to hate about math and why I was always bad at math. But I think it's comforting maybe now for me. I'm also not even taking normal statistics. It's statistics for the social sciences. <laughs> and I feel like the entire first week of class was like, you guys, it's not that scary. It's going to be okay. You can do it. It's just basic, like fundamentals of psychological theory and, and learning how to write at a certain level, which I haven't done in mm, six years when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, exactly. You exactly. Yes. I hear you. I yes, hear like, you. Like just a few years before you got to the city. <laughs> Well, thank you. Uh, so is that your check-in? Yeah. Uh, che- check-in. Okay, well, you know, get on it. I don't know about you, young bitches, because I'm a smooth 76. Uh, <laughs> like, I was a golden girl when they were still silver. So, like, oh. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I don't... has been writing. I don't... What, bitch, fuck all of you. <laughs> that was not written. A bitch... That was That's on the clear. Spot. That was... I, oh, wow. man. Wow. I did not invite you two hoes on this show. <laughs> To drag me for filth and talk but about. But what did you expect? She's been writing. Fuck you, bitch. I've been living. Is Gold what I've been and doing. silver. It was beautiful. It was. It was nice. I stole it from a fucking RuPaul song. New friend silver. <laughs> oh, girl, you got to borrow from better than RuPaul lyrics. Yeah. I do not. Yes, that is dredging the well. I do not. Um, <laughs> as far as my week goes, you know, another day in the life. I'm out here in these streets and uh, nothing's open yet still. So I uh, I just count the days. It's seeming like the city might start opening up soon and we are going into summer, uh, which is a cool twist of fate since I'm in the Southern Hemisphere that my summer is... I'm going to be spending Christmas on a beach probably, which I am very excited about. There's still bats in the sky that terrify me and I don't care for it. <laughs> but um, yeah, giant bats, giant Giant bats. But you only see them if you walk in parks at night. So I see them a lot. But girl, you know what I'm doing in parks at night. Fuck you. They're a little blurry when you're on your knees. (laughs) Are you a bat? Mm, Maybe. Maybe. I am Batman. Game Uh, recognized game. game (laughs) That's what I say to the bats whenever I see them in the park. I'm like, game recognized game, bitch. Um, when you look up 
<laughs> when I look up, when I take my face from the cock that I'm burying my face into, and I look up into the sky, I see a bat, and I'm like, game recognized, game bitch. And then I grab that dick like a popsicle, and I go down on it. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> that is my check-in. Bottom five, five. Five stories that affected the queer world are really just five stories that I found really interesting. So here we go. Story number one, Nicki Minaj and COVID denial. By this point, we all know what's been happening with Nicki Minaj. But for those who don't, I will let you know. Last Monday, shortly before the Met Gala happened in New York City, Nicki Minaj tweeted that she had not gotten vaccinated and it was one of the requirements in order to attend the Met Gala. She right. They want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel I've done enough research. Okay. Uh, she says she's working on that. And then controversy stirred even further when she posted after that, my cousin in Trinidad won't get the vaccine because his friend got it and became impotent. His testicles became swollen. His friend was weeks away from getting married. Now the girl called off the wedding. So just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision. Not bullied. Much to discuss with this story, which we will get into, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are. Gentlemen, what do you think? How long does it take for you to realize you're impotent? <laughs> I just want to know. It's like if it will if it was a day and he was like I didn't I didn't have my morning boner. Oh no, something is wrong. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because I do see all, what you're saying. If you are weeks away from your wedding and then you're like I'm not getting boners and my balls are swollen and my balls are <laughs> like disproportionately swollen all of a sudden like weirdly swollen. I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just one of those individuals that I don't like check up on my balls regularly. That sounds horrible. <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> but then again, there's the question, Randy. How swollen were the balls? <laughs> How swollen were the balls? <laughs> you know. I think this is a case of a man got an STI and tried to blame it on <laughs> the COVID vaccine. Work. It sounds like the thing he wasn't vaccinated for, the mumps. <laughs> Is what he has, because I don't. I might be wrong, but I don't think COVID causes swollen balls. Like I, I haven't heard of anyone having. He's going to be the breakthrough case, <laughs> Break the, the breakthrough balls. But you know, like mumps causes swollen balls and could potentially affect potency. I guess so. I, I don't know. It's insane. Mumps. The, yeah, mumps, right? How do you by impotent? Yeah, are we meaning like erectile dysfunction or can't reproduce or his sperm no longer work? Uh, what does it even mean exactly oh, scientifically? Oh. I always thought impotent just meant you couldn't get hard. Yeah, Impo- okay. but I mean impotent. Im- 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 <laughs> like yes. pronouncing the word differently makes it a totally different word, you guys. If you it's say a totally it that way, different word. Impotent. <laughs> now, do you understand? Like <laughs> the craziest part of this story for me is that, like the like health minister of Trinidad. It's a hilarious video. I was going to bring it up. No, really. Did you see this? No, I did. I did not see this. He does a press conference interview talking about the amount of time the government spent <laughs> trying to figure out if 
it could actually cause swollen balls. And he's like laughing while he does yeah, it. Yeah. Oh my God. Because they, they, they try. <laughs> they, they had to take it seriously. They I tried guess. to track down the cousin. So <laughs> they, they spent resources and time on trying to find this Nicki Minaj's cousin's friend or friend's friend, friend or whatever it is who got these swollen balls. And like they had, they did this whole press conference where like the, the health secretary, health minister of Trinidad and Tobago had to go on television and say, there is no validity to this story. There's and no record of this man. We no couldn't record find of this man with balls. And then there was this whole thing where like, you know, the white house tweeted at Nikki and yes. Nikki started getting in her head that she was going to get invited to the white house. And then it turned into like the white house was like, was no, no, her outfit. she was. And the white house was like, uh, no, no, we'll, give you a call if you want but you're not coming to the white house to talk about this shit Um, until you're vaccinated until you're vaccinated girl (laughs) yeah so it's it's i feel like it's insane but it's also very fitting that that's where we are in 2020 and i almost like celebrated the ridiculousness of it because i'm just like this is the this is where we are at right now like this is the this is the two sides of this issue you have doctors and scientists and health ministers and politicians saying get the vaccine and then you have this other side of people who are saying they're doing research and then saying oh, well i heard because my friend's cousin had impotency issue and balls issues and i'm sitting here being like wasn't your whole thing that you were going to do research and yet you have no, like... That's the research. That's your research? Your, that's, your research is what I heard was. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I mean, that's what everyone's research is when they say they're going to do research. I know. It's, I mean, right. technically, y'all, that's what research is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, if you really think about it, it's just you have to have smart friends. <laughs> 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 so that's all research is, is just having smart friends smart friends smart friends is being like oh well what she said was <laughs> randy said it it was peer-reviewed by jordan he agreed you know and you're like well they all have phds so i'm gonna listen but like if it's just old girl down the road it's like my cousin's friend said then it's like um, I think you should find smarter friends. <laughs> As a West Indian, which actually I got clocked by my mom when I was at home this year, uh, because Caribbean people hate being called West Indians because, like, they're not West Indians. It was a fuck up. It was Columbus, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> thinking, <laughs> thinking he found India and calling it the, the West, West Indies. Indies, and it's like that's not who we are. So we're gonna we're gonna stick around and be Caribbean as fuck. <laughs> you can keep the West Indian part, but Caribbean folks, there is a lot of consistent misinformation floating around out there. So when she was like, "Oh, my Trinidadian cousin said this," I was like, "Girl, stop!" Like you. <laughs> You have a world platform. Yeah. And you're listening to the rantings of your cousin's your cousin. friend in Trinidad. Like yeah. you don't you don't name this person. You don't know who this person is. Right. Yeah. They're living up in a house on a hill somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you know, put some ice on those balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Story number two. India Moore and other stars of Pose were at the Met Gala this past Monday. Again, another story about the Met Gala. India Moore is known for playing Angel Evangelista on Pose. She attended the gala and then had this to say. 
This will probably be my last Met Gala. I had to really think about if it is truly in alignment with what I care about, because I think it is possible to be an artist and a creative and simultaneously not invest in make-believe during a time make-believe is weaponized against the truth. During a time where honesty and transparency is more important than ever. Being at the Met this year was cognitive dissonance. She's uh, talking about the Black Lives Matter protests that were happening outside of the Met. And a number of other prominent people who had attended the gala basically said the same thing, that it was a, there was this cognitive dissonance about, you know, being at this event that cost millions and millions of dollars to go to. And yet you have this like housing crisis happening in New York. You have this moratorium on evictions ending and all sorts of stuff around Black Lives Matter and all sorts of protests with the police. And there seemed to be this general sense of like, well, what the fuck are we doing? How are we still having this Met Gala in a post-COVID world? Gentlemen, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this story. What you read is a little um, unclear, the statement that you just read, but I'm I'm looking at their Instagram and there's a, a much larger statement that they made about it. I guess I'm glad they spoke up honestly about how they felt. I understand. I mean, I don't, I kind of understand, but uh, the cognitive dissonance of like being at this absurdly overpriced event and feeling like your entire work is advocating for the exact opposite of what you're yeah. basically being photographed being in a way. Yeah. And I've, I mean, I've always find what they have to say to be pretty compelling and interesting regarding social issues and their advocacy. They began the statement with, I'm going to think long and hard about why I came in the first place, which I think is an important way to be to begin that, because I think a lot of people are calling people out who are like, yeah, you go, and then you're like dismantling it, and, but you went. So I think that was an important way to begin discussing it. What was the theme? I'm it was also, that's true, it was also like American fashion. It was something about Amer- yeah. America. American fashion. I was completely lost in the media coverage that I was getting and the images of just the looks that I was seeing. I mean, the Met Gala, it's, it's always weird to me because I'm like, mm-hmm. some people just show up and they're like, I'm just spilling money. Mm-hmm. That's most of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And then you have a few individuals who actually like, engage with what the theme of the ball is right just to just let you know the theme was american independence not a fucking clue (laughs) like like i could not if you lined everyone up and i'm like i have no fucking idea Mm -hmm. it might have been that part of it that was so aggressively American, actually, to be mm-hmm. honest. Right. Because <laughs> everyone was just like, fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. And that's like, <laughs> that's America, mm-hmm. like down. But it just felt really self-serving. Mm-hmm. And in a time where we have all been going through this intensely kind of equalizing plague. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like it, it is, it, no one is, no one is safe from it. No one is free from it. It right. uh, doesn't matter how much money you have. doesn't matter what your access is. Like, I mean, access allows you access to better treatments and all of that stuff. Right. But to have this celebration, yes, I understand what they're saying when they're like, you know, I show up to this event. The statement was very confusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very wordy in yeah. 
like a, a beautiful wordy way that like you think you just heard something <laughs> you know yeah and then when you like read it back and you look at it you're like i this isn't saying anything mm-hmm. because it folds back on itself where mm-hmm. it's like you are still a part of that system and you still showed up at the gala and you yep. still borrowed the jewelry and you still you know you're just saying out loud the anxieties that you have in your head right which mm-hmm. you know that's truth and that's real and i appreciate that mm-hmm. and moving forward perhaps they'll be like yeah i won't show up at the gala next year i'm not going to be a part of this system that does this mm-hmm. because in the end like watching someone's twitter account like jeremy O'Harris of that evening and being like just seeing someone whose camera phone pans the room mm-hmm. and you see all these people crushed together and it's all these like you know massive celebrities everybody's partying everybody's having a wonderful time or so it looks but then you're just kind of like what's the point of this like mm-hmm. what actually is the purpose of the Met Gala I don't know is it a fundraiser I don't know it is like, a fundraiser yeah I'm, it's I, a fundraiser I'm, for the Met though right okay oh is it <laughs> I think so oh that's embarrassing stacks on stacks like <laughs> You know, yeah. it's like, who who is this party for? Mm-hmm. Like, the world is watching you gorgeous people who have so much money, and then you borrow millions of dollars worth of money and jewelry for a night mm-hmm. to go and party, have a wonderful time, look like it's amazing, but none of it is real. Yeah. I love a fantasy, mm-hmm. but like... It is such a boring fantasy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a little bit of an element of, of chicken and egg to it because it's a little bit like, okay, so let's say Indy Moore doesn't go next year. Are they drawing more attention to the inequities of having a ball itself by not attending or by, let's say, doing what like AOC did, which is going there wearing a white dress that says tax the rich all over it, which is actually doing the work that needs to be done in order to dismantle what the Met Gala is. Is I mean, it? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I feel like it could be it could be seen as somewhat controversial to show up in a dress that says tax the rich at an event that I'm not defending AOC. I want to make that clear. I don't really have an opinion on her dress. I don't I have to think about I it. I don't I haven't thought about it. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying I don't think tax the rich is a particularly like bold statement to make on your dress. I mean, it kind of is. And that's sad. But like. Would it? Would there be more power in India more going next year and making a statement with whatever they're wearing or drawing attention to the protesters that are outside? Or is it actually like a better thing to say, I'm not going to participate in this anymore? You know, if the whole idea of events like this is about visibility and about awareness, one of the things that we've been seeing so much more, thanks in large part to Pose, is the visibility of trans women of color. And so... Mm-hmm. What I see when I see all of these trans women of color showing up to the Met Gala is visibility. And at first I was like, oh, fuck yeah, don't go to this bullshit. This is nonsense. But then the other side of me is like, well, is there more power in using your platform at an event like this? Or does it actually just cancel each other out? Is there no point? The performativity of it all is just the fact that it's a party. Mm-hmm. Do you, do both of y'all remember this very iconic like McQueen runway with Shalom Harlow where she gets to the end of the runway and these mechanical arms spray painter? Yes. 
No, yeah. like, I've never seen that. Oh, girl. I'll, it's gorgeous. Okay. I'll text you. It's I. It's everything. It's iconic. But do that in reverse at the Met Gala <laughs> so that your gown actually <laughs> destroys everyone else's look. <laughs> you could just show up with a spray, spray paint can. That's <laughs> also, that's, that's the DIY, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> just spin on the dance floor with some spray paint. <laughs> <laughs> and destroy everyone's millions dollars Just of worth. But it is that thing bag. where it's like, if you show up for the party and you're making a visual demonstration, mm-hmm. you just have to make sure that you don't party. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, cause if you're if you show up and you're like, I'm having a wonderful time, <laughs> then it's right. like, okay, girl, well, yeah, because you came you came to like show and hang out with the who's who and the she's she's that um when tour has invited mm-hmm. you know on her very specific list this year i but mean you're you you're complicit up, just by being there right 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 yeah true true um okay story number three rupaul is now an insect uh <laughs> Notice, Randy, I'm not doing the goddamn titles like I did last week, okay? So you're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. Brian Lessard is a guy, and he... <laughs> Good for Brian. He's some sort of scientist. Thank you, Brian. He's a scientist that's involved with, like, naming bugs and stuff. And in Australia, there is a newly discovered fly of the genus named Opaluma which looks like little gems buzzing around the forest floor. They have a distinctive thorn tucked under their abdomen. And basically what Brian Lessard has decided to do, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing that name, but it's become a bit of a trend to actually name some of these newer species that they're discovering after pop icons and pop legends in order to bring more awareness to the extinction of these species, these endangered species. And so what they've done is name this fly after RuPaul, which looks crazily similar the picture that they showed uh, you both have seen this the picture that they showed of the fly next to the dress that rupaul is wearing it's like terrifying how spot on it is a hilarious picture terrifying so um yeah i'm just curious if you have any thoughts as to rupaul now being a member of the insect family i mean i i have to just comment on the picture that's in the guardian of the bug (laughs) next to rupaul wearing that rainbow dress because it's perfect and it's hilarious. It's I I also think it's funny that Brian Lesser just was kind of like, y'all, we need funding. We're bug scientists. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, we name it after whatever. I will name it after. Just give us some money to like, research bugs because it's what we need to do. I, I mean, <laughs> it kind of makes me sad for science. Yeah, really sad. But um, I'm glad RuPaul's a bug. I, I'm I'm assuming RuPaul's also a star in the sky and probably. RuPaul's probably everything. I'm imagining the really like shitty fundraising events they have to do now where it's like they have like they bring out all their flies and they're like, we're going to do a fly ball work, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Category is endangered realness. All the other bugs are like trying to write lyrics. <laughs> they're like, this bug song is terrible. <laughs> Oh my god. Oh my god. But <laughs> Bendela was years ahead of her time. <laughs> <laughs> oh bitch. Good throwback. I'm good just throwback. Gigging. Yeah. G- give that bitch a gig. I mean, she does she's not thirsting for gigs, but 
I think it is incredible <laughs> as a nerd myself that there are nerds out there that are like, <laughs> yes, we're shilling for this money. <laughs> yes, we're trying to, you know, protect these insects. So we're going to call this insect RuPaul. I do love the barbed thorn on the underside of the mm-hmm. thorax, mm-hmm. hiding her candy. I'm like, <laughs> give me some wit. <laughs> scientists i yes. live i yes. live i'm imagining like a bunch of scientists in a quiet room like looking looking in there what are they fucking called microscopes <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> i am not a scientist aren't you getting a degree in psychology <laughs> yeah it's a bachelor's degree in psychology it's a social science it's a soft science um, I'm just imagining like a single queen like screaming in like a science lab being like this bug like <laughs> like beckoning the one other gay guy in the opposite side of the room to come look at this bug and like talking about like, naming it after yes queen we're naming it after yes. RuPaul <laughs> I live I live yeah. <laughs> because look at their ball it's going to be a bunch of scientists standing around a table and Shangela like amazing amazing <laughs> oh my god i'm going to that ball i will not yes. i will not be invited i would never be invited okay second to last story we'll talk about it quickly because we are going to be talking about mr lil nas x lil nas x's whole episode but who has heard the montero album i have I like it. I think it starts off very, very strong. Like the first four, tra- I mean, granted, we already know the first two tracks or the second and the first and third tracks. Yeah. And then of course I watched the video, which we're going to discuss. Mm-hmm. But then I, I was sort of tricked into thinking there was a video for every song in the album. And there's a bunch of things that look like the video, but they're just sort of digital animations. And that they're repeat. really frustrating. I was so mad at the internet yesterday. Because I saw all these, like, I was like, oh, the the song he has with Doja Cat has a video. And then it's just this digital... Who? <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. Sorry, folks. That was a Wait, I'm sorry. Joke. Mika, can I do this for a second? We were <laughs> talking about Doja Cat the other day. Can you please tell the world how you described Doja Cat to me? Uh, this is my official public, <laughs> like, introduction to the world of the internet, so I'm potentially going to get dragged the fuck out with it, but um, I just can't see her. Like, I know who she is, and her name comes up often. However, if you, like, asked me to pick out Doja Cat in a lineup, it would be like, me sitting on the subway next to her for about 60 minutes and looking out of the corner of my eye. Like, I just don't, I don't see her. Like, I don't, I can't identify her. You don't know any, fe- there are no prominent features on Disney. No, I'm sure she is a to. lovely person and a beautiful woman. But when I, I see images of her, I can't stare directly at her. <laughs> Because I don't see anything. Like, I don't... (laughs) I don't identify anything. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, So when I feel that feeling, Jordan, as I was saying, (laughs) when I feel that feeling of, like, confusion and um, dysphoria, then I'm like, oh, that's Doja Cat. (laughs) 
<laughs> she is the embodied. She is the physical manifestation of an idea, of a concept. <laughs> right. Okay. When I get that like cold sweat at like the crown of my hairline in the front because I'm like I don't know what I'm looking at. That's Doja Cat. Fair. I'm just confused. Fair. Just confused. Fair. Fair. Bless her heart, though. So, Rena, I'm hearing you did not like the second half of the album. I think it's going to grow on me because a few of the songs have grown on me since I've I've listened to the whole thing twice. Yeah. Uh, but it it feels like it it starts off like with a real bang, and then it kind of I think I'm going to have it, to listen differently to the second half of the album. It does get quieter and more pensive, which I was not expecting for because the first half of it is so poppy and so. Mm-hmm like club ready, I guess. So I was surprised by that, but like I was just struck at how just the level of vulnerability and just like the fucking real shit that he's saying. There's more to say, but moving on to our last story, which is a game within a game. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to do it because we are talking about RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars season 6. Now, I know not all of us have seen every episode, however, Mika, you've seen all the recaps that are on the Pit Stop on YouTube, yes? I have done the, like, budget, janky, yeah, recap situation. Okay. So, I'm going to go through several things that happened over the season, and I want you to either say queer for it or jeer for it. Okay? Mm, Is that fair? So, we'll go in order. I'll start with Randy and then go to Mika. So, we all know these... With these things, we're going to say queer for it or jeer for it. Probably is most of these are going to be queer for it, just so you know. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Raja's dress in a minute in the first episode where they had the talent show. Queer Raja's for it. Dress? Did you see it? The one she made in like a minute? Uh, queer for it. Okay, fantastic. I too am queer for it. The contestant Jan finally wins a challenge. She wins the, the Super Bowl challenge where she imitated... Lady Gaga, and she controversially, in my opinion, won that over Trinity K. Bonet, who did a flawless Beyonce. Are we here? Jeer for it. Jeer for Sorry. it. Jeer for it. Jeer for the fuck out of it. What are our thoughts on Jan? We just don't care for Jan? No, I love Jan. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I would say without exception, maybe every single queen that was on the season, I raised my... Watching them on the season made me like them a little bit more, but Jen was coming from like a very low place at the beginning. Fair. In that same vein, Trinity K. Bonet's Beyonce. So good. Queer for it. Queer for it. Fucking unreal. And she broke the Beyonce curse on RuPaul's Drag Race. So well done and for her. And she's been saying that she's going to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I live. I live. I live. Ginger Minj versus Mayhem Miller doing Lizzo's phone. I don't really remember it, but I'm sh- I feel like it's definitely a jeer for it. <laughs> okay. Mika? Oh, qu- queer for it. That's oh! so fun. I too am queer for it. Even though I do understand the jeer for it because Ginger Minj is tough Ginger sometimes. Ginger rubs me the wrong way. Why does she rub you the wrong way? There's something about a certain kind of Southern queen. I, I think it triggers some bad repressed memory I have of Atlanta. Oh, But shit. I'm just like, I don't like that bitch. <laughs> I, I guess... <laughs> I, well, I will say the the level of polish to me makes it never really funny. Mm, I, I yeah. never like genuinely laugh at anything she does. I I'm like, that. oh, she had that one liner. That's good. I, I recognize the artistry behind it, but it doesn't. There's no real like 
gagging that ever happens. It's sort of what her critique was in the charisma, uniqueness, nerve and talent monologues where, uh, you know, the whole point of it was to seem like spontaneous and alive. And her Mm -hmm. whole thing was that it it seemed Mm -hmm. very rehearsed and not real. It didn't feel honest. Yeah. I mean, it's like a Doja Cat qual. Like, I don't get who the fuck is she? Like, really? <laughs> it's a facade? Turn it into a verb. Turn it into a verb. She's Doja cat me. Yes. Yes. Mika, your thoughts on Ginger Minj? I hear you, Randy. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hear I that thought- I'm being heard. <laughs> I thought that lip sync, um, maybe it was because the quality of her performance was balanced out with Mayhem's so that they both gave this level of like hit that made the lip sync really, really fun to watch. But yes, I can totally understand that feeling of like just a queen that is like, I don't even want to say rehearsed. It's not rehearsed. It's just like that level of polish sometimes when it is pushed and then you're like, Oh, there's no, there's no access to it. There's no like mm-hmm. there, there. There's no like, yeah. yeah. There's no like you've done. You're you're sitting in the mirror at home when you beat that face, and you're running all these jokes mm-hmm. to make sure that you have the jokes ready. Mm-hmm. It's very old school. It's very old school. It's very classic. Yeah. It's very high drag. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it it leaves the audience out in some places. Well, speaking of old school, that brings us to our next thing: the snatch game of love episode. I'd say generally I'm queer for it, but it's it's a it's a yeah I'm queer for it. Definitely the first round. There were two rounds, right? Yes. Yeah, so in the first round, Ginger Minj plays Phyllis oh, gotcha. Diller, mm-hmm. uh, Trinity K. Bonet does Whitney Houston, and right. Kylie does Dolly Parton. In the second round, Eureka was Divine, right? Uh, Raja O'Hara was Latoya Jackson, and Pandora Box was Kim Cattrall. A really bad Kim Cattrall. You know what? I will say that's like almost like a fifty-fifty queer and jeer. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Who do you queer and who do you jeer? I queered, shockingly, Ginger Minge in that kind, mm-hmm. as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I also feel like that was when Kylie, the first time I was like, okay. Yeah. I started to see who she was and the talent that she had. LaToya, I thought was hilarious. So good. I thought it was so hilarious. Good. And I, I just loved that he was like, Rue told me this one thing, and that's what I'm <laughs> going to fucking joke. do. Every joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and who was the other? I, I, the others were... Kim Cattrall, Whitney Houston. Kim Cattrall was and Eureka. bad. Whitney Houston was just embarrassing. Was bad, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, so and Eureka's terrible. Divine. Eureka's Divine wasn't good either. It's just loud. It's just it's loud. loud. Yeah, it was loud. Messy and loud. Yeah. And let's see. I only have a couple more. Um, but I would jeer for it. Jeer, you Thanks. would jeer for it. Sorry. Thank, so you, thank you, host. Fuck you, bitch. Thank you, host. So, so Mika, you would, do you queer for it or jeer for it? You know, when I really think about it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I jeer for it. You know I'm going to cut all of that out. <laughs> I know. All that space is going to be gone. I'll be like, that's not what I said, bitch. No. <laughs> no, I jeer for it. I jeer for it. It not wasn't a, my fave. Not a fan. Didn't no, like, just no. didn't like the impressions. I didn't like the format. I didn't like the game. Yeah, I don't like. I never like. Snatch I don't like game that format. Love. I hate when they yeah. do that. I like Snatch Game. I didn't like this new like dating weird yeah. thing. That's what. Like that's the all. version they do on All Stars. I hate it. Yeah, I hate it too. <laughs> <laughs> I hate okay. it. Okay, just a couple more. Laganja Estranja's comeback with her lip sync against Trinity K. Bonet. 
<laughs> All I remember is the entrance, which I applaud, which I queer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ugh, shit. Um, <laughs> that was hard. That was hard. I'm really happy that Laganja is in an amazing seeming place in her world right now. Mm-hmm. I've been watching interviews and like whatnot, and whenever she comes through, like because our initial introduction to Laganja on her season, Oof. I was like, see, I never watched the season. Randy, you remember oh when I went God. on when we were talking about her before, and I went off. Yeah, we've discussed it before, and yeah. I was like, "Oh well, I didn't." Oh no, yeah. Woo. I was like, "Step on it, <laughs> <laughs> smash it with a book, something." <clears throat> like it was too much. She was too much, and just going through her shit like that. That was it. Was so obvious that like she was going through her shit. Mm-hmm. It may potentially, as a viewer, for me, been like. I can't sit back and enjoy this because this is actually like way too real for you. Right. You know, right. and I'm like, I'm watching you do your therapy in this show right now. And it's like, Ugh, mm-hmm. no, thank you. And now she has come back seemingly strong, confident, doing her thing. That entrance was everything. I'm a little bit mad because I don't necessarily think that she really truly beat Trinity in that lip sync. Mm hmm. I think there was a lot of stunts in shows, but Trinity doesn't do that in her lip syncs. Trinity mm-hmm. gives you the show. Right. So Laganja was giving you kicks and splits and all the things and like kudos to her. I love that. But I stand my TKB. This is our country. The country song that the four finalists, Eureka, Raja, Kylie, and Ginger had to sing in the, I believe, final episode. Yeah, it was the final episode. Yeah. Um, I liked Raj's ver- verse, but I would definitely jeer for that overall. Yeah. Yeah, not my fave. <laughs> Didn't they rhyme cowboy with cowboy like twice? <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a hard jeer for me because the song was terrible. Terrible. It did not make me proud to be an American or want to go back to America. And... Uh, for that, I will never forgive RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that was so bad. I did like Raja's verse, but I did. I just thought the song. I think the reason why I get pissed off at it, and I think Trixie actually did say this on the pit stop, or maybe it was Simone who said it, but it was so clearly just trying to be a little Nas X. Not even. I was going to say it trying to be a little Nas X song, and it's not trying to be a little Nas X song. It's just trying to be Old Town Road. Yeah, and like Old Town Road was was enough for me when it came out. I'm getting a little tired too of this, like, you know, the the the, con- the people who profess to like own country music are not constantly fucking writing songs about how like we're American too. And I'm really getting fucking tired of like this is now the second time RuPaul's done a song that's been like the lead single or something where it's like, but we're American too. And I'm just sitting here being like, the more you profess the we're American too thing, the more you give value to them saying we're not Americans. And I'm so fucking, I I don't need a bad song, a bad country song at that to sort of like reaffirm this idea that like queer people and gay people and weird people are also Americans too. And I'm just like, I, I, I just, I didn't, I didn't need any of it. It was a huge deer for me. So Kylie Sonique loves win. Queer for it or jeer for it? I'll queer for it. Queer for it. I would have been happy if I think any of those four final four would have won. And your thoughts, Mika, would you have felt the same way? Controversy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
as much as I love Kylie Sonique, I am deeply, for the record, and traumatically hurt that TKB was not in the top four. I know. <laughs> I'm going back to that I because know. that bitch trailblazed the season. Yeah. I feel and like I the whole season. Ready for her. It's the tragedy of Trinity K. Bonet. Yeah. It broke my heart. Like watching those moments of just being I, when she's like, I was so close. Yeah. And I'm like, the grace. I mean, if you want to talk about a pageant bitch, mm-hmm. that's a pageant bitch. Mm-hmm. Because she was just like, I'm not going to be nasty to the other girls and be like, I should have been here. I should have done this. That should have been mine. She's just like, I've worked really hard. Yeah. I was so close. Yeah, that's hard. And here we are. Unfortunate. I think all of the queens, it's All-Stars. It was a really great All-Stars season because I legitimately felt like, you know, I mean, once Serena Chacha got out of there. Sorry, boo. Sorry, boo. Once she got out of there, it was like, really oh, All-Stars. we're actually talking about queens here. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We're actually talking about these these artists who are putting this shit up there. So I can't take anything away from the top four. I can't take anything away from, from Sony. I'm glad she won. She's flawless. She's incredible. She did the damn thing. But yeah, I'm still mourning and sad. Yeah. Because it should have been TKB. Yeah, I'm with you because it, it did kind of sully like the last, the final four for me. Not that I didn't want... Eureka to be there, but like it didn't feel like Eureka should have been there compared to Trinity K. Bonet. It felt like yeah. she should have. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing, very last thing I'll ask you both the legendary question mark run of Silky Nutmeg Ganache in the game within a game. I'm going to cheer for that one. Oh, jeer. I have many thoughts on it. At first, I was like, yay, a, a, like a prop, a gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> work and then i was like oh she hasn't memorized this song Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then seven songs later i was just like tired (laughs) yeah yeah what is it it's queer jeer i'm gonna give a she's here (laughs) (laughs) because i i mean i'm it was effort (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. and there was just things that i enjoyed it made great tv mm-hmm. as far as it being an example of great drag performance yeah or innovative drag performance no yeah there was nothing new there was nothing that exciting or remarkable that was happening mm-hmm. if now what we're turning drag into is an endurance sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she was here. She was she here. She was here. No, I, I would give it a queer only because it was good TV. As you said, there was something like exciting about watching the run of it. I'll put it this way. When I first watched it, I gave it a queer only because I felt like she was so unceremoniously like, dropped this season not that she like deserved anything more i don't think that she actually was worthy of like a real quote-unquote redemption but like 
there was something exciting about watching her run. I, at first, did not hate the props. I was like, oh, I get it. Once the bag of chips came out for the very last one, I was like, okay, I don't I don't need this anymore. And then the reveal, the whole storyline of, like, her mother losing weight or something, it just didn't make any sense. But, like, ah. And then the flip side of that is now I think about it and I'm like, yeah, it wasn't that... It wasn't particularly, like, high drag. It wasn't particularly, like, great lip syncing. And I find Silky kind of insufferable sometimes. But, like... <laughs> Especially, like, you remember her epically horrible lip sync her season with Nina West? And I don't know that, like, she did, like, that much better in these <laughs> lip syncs. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just, yeah. I think there was the momentum and there was the props. And the fact that she was having fun, it was, like, a bold move to, like, say, even though Akira is not here, I'm still going to do this lip sync and then have it be mm-hmm. this Barbie girl. Right. Which like, I enjoyed. Actually... That was not good. It wasn't a good lip sync, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed it. It it was it was a it was fun. I mean, the way the internet's gagged was <laughs> ridiculous. It's like nobody's ever done that before. Right, right, right. Hello, Victor Victoria. Right, like, I mean, and that's even like a a basic example of mm-hmm. Ishi drag, like that split drag, mm-hmm. and yeah. then. Like Silky, like she gave a performance and she was spirited, and you could tell that, like, all right, girl, you're thirsty, you're like doing the thing, but like, it wasn't good. Yeah, (laughs) it wasn't good. It wasn't like okay. I want it to be good. So neither a queer nor a jeer, but a she's here. She 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 was there. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you for that. That was a really long bottom five, but you know, bottoms take a while. Take a while. talking about the newest Lil Nas X video, That's What I Want. Before we get there, just a really quick pop culture rewind on Lil Nas X and the song and video that made him a breakout star, that being Old Town Road, which, a little bit of backstory, Old Town Road was released, it was on the country charts, and it was charting for a while, and then there was all sorts of controversy over whether or not it should be considered a country song, so it was kind of taken off the country charts. And the song still became insanely popular. It was like a huge hit. I believe it was like the first track to beat Mariah Carey's. Like it it broke Mariah Carey's record for number one. Crazy. Weeks at number one or something. And largely do it do in large like her part. Her Christmas track? Her Christmas track wasn't number one until this year. That's right. What? Did you know that? All I Want for Christmas really? was had never been a number one song until 2020. That is bullshit. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. <laughs> really? crazy um it's forever like it's before christmas i mean i think that song created christmas yeah it did (laughs) christmas wasn't real before 1991 or whatever that's no but yeah so old town old town road broke the record was a huge hit the one that i kind of shrugged off to be completely honest and i'm just curious as a song as a video him as an artist i i was like i don't know what this is and 
kids were mostly into it. So I was just like, well, clearly this isn't for me. <laughs> so I'm curious what your initial impressions of Mr. Nas X were. I originally heard of the song when there was all that controversy with it being taken off the country charts and hearing about sort of his witty responses to it and hearing about how he, like I heard about the marketing before I heard the song. Like I heard about how he had embedded it in memes, like all over Instagram and TikTok and stuff. And that's Mm -hmm. how people started getting that earworm in their head. And that's how it ended up taking off. Mm -hmm. And then I heard the song and I was like, oh, okay. And I didn't think that much more of it. And I, I didn't listen to it many times. But then going back, I watched the video today. You see, like, the seeds, of, you see his hesitancy in a way now that we know him more a yeah. little bit or think we know him more. Yeah. It's hard to see it now without knowing what he's going to become and not having, like, a general fondness for it. And also, in some ways, at least in the way that he like melded these two pop genres to turn into something that everybody became obsessed with kind of seeing his brilliance at the beginning Mm -hmm. that he has continued with Mm -hmm. out of context though, I would probably still have the same. "Mm, I think I'd like the song more now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think if I had been forced to listen to it repeated like more than I actually did, I would have been like, all right, I like this song. Right. You know, like if we we had, if we had tween kids that were listening to it nonstop, we'd, yeah to like it by now or if we had that like one drunk night where it came on at the right time at a bar or something <laughs> that like, is oh, so specific <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's what would have happened those if we the had circumstances <laughs> around your needing to have liked this song was i needed to be waste at 9 59 p.m on wednesday <laughs> and it needs to come on that's what i would have liked the song uh mika now i know <laughs> you had never seen the video for old town road until i sent you the link did you watch it I did not. You bitch. (laughs) I did not as a point of rebellion. Okay. Because of the conversation that we did have. And I knew that you were sending me the link (laughs) because we had the conversation. And I said I had never seen it before. So I vehemently refused (laughs) to do my homework. I said, no. I said, no, he's going to try and make me watch this. And I told him I never watched it before because many of the reasons that you spoke about Randy was like, I just didn't think it was aimed at me. And when the song became popular, I was like, I don't know what this Old Town Road thing is, but it's aimed at the children. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not for me. So I never listened to it. Mm. I don't know the song. I basically started seeing images, you know, that would come through like on my Twitter of him, like at award ceremonies in like very glittery suits. Mm-hmm. And at first I was just kind of like, okay, here's this like gorgeous young black man mm-hmm. wearing these ridiculous suits. <laughs> <laughs> That's my impression of him in mm-hmm. the very beginning, because I was just like, he's wearing these glittery Tex-Mex country suits. Mm hmm. I don't know his song. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what his music is about. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand what his focus was even trying to be. Yeah. And I believe his... Yeah, fuck your link. His second... Fuck you. His second song was, I believe, called Panini, right? Which I've never even heard. Well, and it was when I saw Panini, I was like, oh, I don't... I don't think I don't this, like this guy. I don't think they're marketing this for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I don't I don't think they're aiming for me. So I too was sort I sort of wrote him off and I had heard like rumblings that he might be gay but like 
it's in a way I feel kind of like fake because like I realize that so much of my adoration for him now is built around just his boldness and the strength he has to just sort of unapologetically just be himself and to say fuck you to all the haters or whomever. And like, not that I was a hater, but mm-hmm. I, I suppose in his mindset, I probably could have been considered someone that he's just saying like, well, fuck you, you don't know what I'm doing here. And it's weird. Like I looked at the video today and I still don't like it. But, like, I still don't like the song. But, like, a similar thing to what you were talking about, Randy, where it's like, oh, I can see where he's going. And I realized, like, what I was feeling three years ago or two years ago, whenever the fuck it came out, was, like, I had no idea where this was going. So all I saw was, like you said, Mika, the glittery suits, this song called Otan Road with fucking Billy Ray Cyrus of people. So I'm like, oh, y'all are definitely not speaking to me. That and was a major shutdown, yeah. Major <laughs> shutdown. So major. I was like, I remember I had been hearing about this song being a country song and that this young black man wrote it. And then I heard the song. And for me, at least, I was just like, I don't get why this is being considered a country song. It kind of sounds like a trap song. Like it has a trap mm-hmm. beat. Mm-hmm. But I think actually what was good about it was actually making me question, well, what the fuck is a country song? Like what makes a song belong to the country genre? So using that as a segue into our pop culture moment this week, we're talking about the music video. That's what I want by Lil Nas X in which we see Lil Nas X sort of appearing out of the clouds, like from a, from a comet, he lands in the middle of a football game. He gets taken to the locker room due to an injury. He is pining after a young man who's also on the football team. And then They sort of go at it through the course of the video. They have sex in the bathroom. We then later see sort of, sort of. We then later see him years later, I suppose, coming to meet the young man again. This person who was the football guy has now ended up with a woman and has a child. Lil Nas X goes on a drinking binge. And then the video ends with him on the altar in a wedding dress, crying and sort of professing with all his might that he just wants love. What are your thoughts? Let's start with you, Randy. Why do we always start with me? I don't know, because you're white. <laughs> That's fine. I'll take wow. it. Wow. <laughs> fine. That's fuck okay. you, Randy. Let's go. So what are your thoughts, Mika? On <laughs> Do you see how internal hate works, Randy? <laughs> I'm in the back of the bus. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll wait for you to finish speaking. <laughs> even a- though my, my brethren... Has to me. I wanted to give you time to do the research. <laughs> well played. Well played. Yeah, I haven't seen the video, so. <laughs> well, all right, well, true. fuck it. I'll, I'll pivot. I'll pivot. So, actually, Mika, this is the second time that Lil Nas X has released a video that you have seen before I have. The first one being Montero, Call Me By Your Name. Mm-hmm. And you asked me if mm-hmm. I'd seen it yet. I told you I hadn't. And you said, bitch, don't watch it till we can watch it together. <laughs> and then the first time was with Little. I uh, know, that's strangely beholding, isn't it? It's like, I've already seen it, but you're not allowed to watch it. Until watch <laughs> so it like, right, right. So and I yet, got my hand on your throat. And like, yet you won't watch Old Tone Road when I send you a link. It's fine, I get I it. Refuse. I get it. No, it's fine. So the first time with Call Me By Your Name, my jaw was on the floor while we were watching it. And this time, I was just profusely crying like a baby. And so knowing that like part of the reason why we're talking about this episode today is because you and I watched the video. What, what, what are you feeling about this song and this video? Obviously I know it means a lot to you, but like, can you go into why this song had such an effect on you and video? Um, yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, black friend. 
thank you, my black friend, also. Um, <laughs> not excluding our white friend, Randy. What struck me so strongly the first time that I watched the video in the middle of the day was that it actually reminds me of an earlier podcast from the two of you where you were talking about Lil Nas X and the way the performativity, the way that he is aggressively playing this image or aggressively creating this image of himself in every single thing that he does, Mm -hmm. but that he is not out of control of the image. He is very acutely in control of the image Mm -hmm. Or his team is, or whoever it's behind it, or whatever. So watching the creation of the video and the progress of the video, and this idea of these very like identifiable, especially North American tropes. You get the football star. You're at the football. You're at the like homecoming game. Uh-huh. That's what it felt like to me. Like that immediate image is the homecoming game, and then you find yourself in the locker room, and the locker room for gay men in particular Mm. (laughs) growing up in north america Mm -hmm. is a very contested realm but it is also a highly like erotic and sensual Mm -hmm. realm you know and you have this development of images then you have the brokeback mountain situation oh right well first you have the shower the sex scene in the shower yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely the showers were a crazy place in high school I don't know. Did you guys have to shower in high school? I did not go in a locker room my entire four years of, of Are you high school. <laughs> I was too scared. Fair. I would I would change in the theater dressing rooms uh, after track practice. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, we're yeah. gonna get to that in our deep dive. <laughs> okay, stick okay, around, so folks. I'll hold on to that. I'll hold on to that. <laughs> Anyways, the construction and the sequence of images to me just led to this buildup, especially coming from a very rural small town in the Mojave Desert in Southern California. Uh-huh. Like, it was that truck. Like, I, I just, I mean, I told <laughs> my mother a month ago that I was like, I've always wanted a pickup truck, but I want like a Ford pickup truck from 97. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all of the trucks that they make right now, I'm like, I don't want that cartoon fucking shit. Like, mm. the trucks are massive. It's an F-350 with a cab and like all of this stuff. And I'm like, that's not a truck. It's like a van without a hood. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like it's, circ- it's a circumcised van. <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense to me. I just want like a basic ass pickup truck because that's what I grew up seeing. And so when he's driving in that Tacoma, I'm like, I know what that is. Mm. I know who that is. Mm. I'm very connected to it. And then he shows up in that wedding dress at the end. And I was fucking done because I'm like, the image is absolutely clear. It's just what I want. Like, I feel the image of that video, people can contest it and say that it is complicated or there is a agenda. But no, it's real simple. And he puts it right out there and it broke my heart and it spelled out my entire world. I may not appreciate all of his music in its individual tracks, Mm -hmm. but like what the young man is doing and expressing to the world, I'm like... I'm fucking here for it. Mm-hmm. I cried too. I'm trying to think of why I did. I, I I just feel like I haven't seen a young queer person like so aggressively able to say what they want, like express mm-hmm. their desires and their needs in a way that's not like 
I'm evil for wanting this, but it, you know, the fact that the verses ends with that's what I fucking want. Yeah. It's kind of, it makes it like, no. And that's what I fucking deserve. Like, this yeah. is not a tragedy. Like I'm, this is what I deserve. This is the space I'm demanding to take. And I just, cr- I cried. I mean, Maybe it was the video, but I think Lil Nas, maybe because of his, <laughs> I'm so old, maybe because of his youth, <laughs> he does like, <laughs> he, he does speak I'm sorry, his, to... His, his what, Randy? His, his youth? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he speaks to like 16-year-old Randy. Like he mm. speaks to, and, and it could be because so much of this, like so much of the beginning imagery are high school imagery, although... My high school experience was not like that, but I get that how that's like Americana high school imagery. But but even Montero, Call Me By Your Name, it, it like triggers this repressed child that I've <laughs> told to shut up for I so many it. years <laughs> that I've it. told, no, no, just take the things that you deserve or that you can get. I, I don't know. I, I, it's it's liberating to me to watch him. This is how I felt about him since this album, since Call Me By Your Name. I agree. Yeah, it makes me so happy. And I also think, I don't know that there's a performance, maybe you guys would disagree, but as an actor, I, it's taken me a long time, but maybe like 10 or 15 years ago, I realized that I secretly just wanted to be a rock star. Although I, <laughs> and, yeah. and, but I never knew that like a rock star like him could exist. Like <sighs> I, but I wanted to be a gay rock star. Yes. Like I wanted to be sexual, like the girl pop stars I was watching, but I wanted to be a, a man, but I wanted to be sexual and a gay. Like, he, he's living the dream. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes me just imminently happy. Yeah, no, I, I, I have a similar thing as far as tracking with Lil Nas X what's happening because I'm realizing <laughs> that so much of it is just like, he is the well-adjusted, healthy version of what I wish I was in high school. I mean, and maybe he's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Maybe he's not. And actually, that's what he's, you know, facing with these this crop of music videos that he's done. But, like, the fact that he's only 22 years old and he's... This is his fucking second album. And he's doing this. Like, he's he's going there with these tracks and unveiling a layer of, like, vulnerability and emotional availability that, like, I had never seen from, like, a Black gay male artists or i mean not i'd never really seen a black gay male musician or or, like obviously i have but like out and owning it like so much of it of what like queer representation has had to be has been like being like openly and unabashedly ourselves like in the face of all these like forces that like restrict us or whatever and you know you sort of like get that queer sensibility with someone like a bowie or mm. you get that sense of like, well, I'm just going to be who and whatever I want to be. And fuck you if you have anything to say about it. And he's doing that. But then he's adding this layer of like really intense emotional vulnerability that I have not seen before. And what I'm realizing is like, oh, 16-year-old Jordan that so badly wanted someone to fucking see him and talk to him is finally getting talked to by Lil Nas X. And I just want to read the fucking bridge of the song because it really gets me every fucking time I hear it where he says, these days I'm way too lonely. I'm missing out. I know these days I'm way too alone and I'm known for giving love away. Mm-hmm. I'm like, bitch, what the yeah. fuck? Like that, what, what, especially the part where he says, I'm missing out. I know there's something about that thing that when you're like in high school and when you're 
I know I'm missing out on this thing. And it's not because I don't want it. It's because I don't have space. I don't have access to it. And I'm not allowed to express. And then Mm. using that as the way to launch into your chorus, where you then just fucking say, I want someone to love me. I need someone who needs me because it doesn't feel right when it's late at night. And it's just me and my dreams. So I want someone to love me. That's just what I fucking want. And like, yes, Randy, to your point about him sort of being like, it's, it's what I deserve. I deserve this. And Yes, absolutely, there being an element of that. But, like, for me, just as, like, the little black gay boy inside me, that's, like, it's actually okay to, like, just want it, too. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even necessarily have to be about, like, well, I deserve it, right? It's actually okay to just want it. And, like, Mm -hmm. basically, before I came out, it was not okay to want the things that I wanted. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't really an idea of thinking that I deserved it or that, that hadn't even entered the equation. It was just, like... I knew I wanted a boy to love me or I wanted to love a boy. And like, even just putting words to that was an act of defiance. And so therefore I couldn't do it. I couldn't even say it. And so to see in this video, him go through this journey that like, obviously is not like step for step similar to anything that I've gone through, but like certainly the emotional journey that he goes through with the sort of like unrequited love. I had those high school crushes. The difference is they didn't fuck me in the locker room as much as I wanted them to. But like, well, I had those high school crushes. Then the imagery of broke back. Then having the whole the whole scene where he's sitting there just drinking himself into oblivion. I'm like, girl, I have been there. What? I'm that every fucking night. And letting it end, <laughs> letting it end with him in a fucking wedding gown with mascara streaming down his face, holding a guitar, a rock guitar in a church, screaming. That Billy Porter gave him. That Billy Porter gives him in a church, screaming, that's what I fucking want. Like, I I, I can't, the, the journey that I went on with Mika <laughs> fucking watching me, by the way, where I just, just going through this whole journey and just like realizing like, oh, Mika and I even said it when we were watching. It was like, I feel like he's speaking to me. Like, I, I feel like, I'm seen for the first time ever. Also, what for me is like, I I've seen songs about unrequited love and I've seen videos about unrequited love getting to see him sort of take those American tropes that that Mika was talking about and sort of like fit them on his black body and fit them in his circumstance in life. I'd never seen that. Mm-hmm. I'd never seen, you know, like when we see images of gay people, we see Brokeback Mountain. But like something that's in Brokeback Mountain is like no black people. Right. <laughs> so like getting to see <laughs> him take on a, a scene from Brokeback Mountain without like commenting on it. Like and not even saying like we're doing Brokeback Mountain, but it's clearly a reference to Brokeback. And like right. sort of letting himself inhabit all these like iconically American things like the football team and the cowboy stuff and the uh, the this and that. I was trying to like rope in what Randy said earlier about um, like being a rock star and the feeling of watching him and like the vibe that he exudes. The vibe he exudes is the mirror that like we all used to like dance into (laughs) because he's giving us the like 110% confidence that we had in those moments of privacy Mm -hmm. with ourselves. He's giving us that on the like public commercial scale mm-hmm. of being like i'm gonna give you the rock star version of my sexuality mm-hmm. of like this body i'm gonna give you this body roll <laughs> i'm gonna give you this belly button he's giving you the britney moment basically you know but like in the queer male way 
he's not approximate like approximating femininity he's giving you this queer male black body and the body roll and the cocoa butter and the the, mm-hmm. the the sheen and all of that i mean the shower is hot the shower is complicated mm-hmm. i want to talk about locker rooms we could do that we're, we're, we're but, okay well this is this is a good segue so the deep dive this week is all about just like our experiences in high school and this can go really in any direction you want. It seems like the direction that we're going is like kind of personal. I was going to be like, well, we can talk about movie representations of high school, but like, fuck that. Let's talk about trauma. <laughs> let's fucking trauma. Let's talk about our trauma. Let's just fucking do it. Um, so, so I, I, Mika, I don't know. You were on. Did you want to keep going down that journey that you were on? Well, my thing is like, you know, when you think about high school, like you cannot actually separate your real high school experience from the kind of popular culture lens of high school because yeah, yeah. that's what high school is. Yeah. Like that's how you learn to be in high school mm-hmm. is by watching these movies and then you go to school and you're like, where do I fall into this kind of idea of what high school is? All I'm saying is the locker room <laughs> was wow. <laughs> Like, <laughs> bitch you cannot do a devious laugh before you say was wild it was just wild it was such a foreign weird world to me at that point in my universe i already knew that i was gay and i think most of the people around me knew that i was gay mm-hmm. mika was creative <laughs> she's creative <laughs> oh mika he's in drama club he's creative so like no one was saying the word gay but like i had stopped dating girls there were no girls anywhere around me however i grew up in a town where most of us had known one another since first grade so i was kind of well protected i guess if that's a word that i can use mm-hmm. i was never bullied Nothing like that happened. But then I would go into the locker room and I then also ended up falling into this group of guys in the locker room. We all had our lockers together in the center aisle and they were all the jocks. So they all played multiple sports, baseball, football, and soccer. And they were just so obsessed with pubic hair. (laughs) (laughs) In what way? Like that their pubic hair was coming in, that their armpit hair was coming in, that they were getting chest hair. We actually didn't have to shower between classes. It was a demonstration. Oh. It was a pageant. Like we didn't have time to shower between classes. But the guys that would shower, they're showering because they're like, look at my hairy balls. (laughs) Wow. And you were there. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Were you living for it? Was it like, was it intimidating? Was it scary? Or was it exciting? I mean, all of those things. Oh, no, I was living, bitch. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) No, bitch. No, no. These guys were friends of mine. So I'm like, I mean, friend, I'm I'm doing finger quotes here. Friends Mm -hmm. of mine. Mm -hmm. Absolutely friends. But also I'm like, of course I want to see, like, it's the first time that I saw like, red pubic hair uh-huh. on a white dude you know or like blonde pubic hair on a white dude i was like this is a whole new world like what uh-huh. your body looks like that like that's crazy and then guys are like oh they want to show you their bars of soap because their soap has their pubic hair on it Ew. oh that's a thing yeah shut up 
Shut up, bitches. I don't know. I am not. I'm into pubic hair, but the idea of a single hair on a bar of soap does not, not turn sexy. me on. It's not it's sexy. Single, not single hair. It's like, burn it. Burn the whole building. Wait, now, Mika, so in this scenario, so what you're saying is people didn't know you were gay. Yes? I'm, I mean, I was a gay kid. So, so like, in, in this. In I these, was the gayest of gay kids. In the context of this locker room, these people that are showing you their pubes mm-hmm. and their balls and all this shit, they are aware that mm-hmm. you're gay. I would say so. And I, don't, I don't see. Okay, you keep using the word gay. Okay. This this is where it gets like weird because I'm like, I don't know if they were clocking into that level of like sexuality. Okay. Yet, okay. But there was a weird marking system that I definitely acknowledged in the locker room because I was like. Why do these boys do this? These are the boys who, in the middle of summer, they come to school and they're doing, like, football camp. Mm-hmm. And I would come on on campus because I was doing, like, ASB, which is uh, Associated Student Body. So it's like the school council. Mm-hmm. You know? And I'd come on campus and then I have this dude who comes up to me and is like, do you want to see my bar of soap? <laughs> and I'm like, why are you so interested? In the same breath, in the same <sighs> breath, these guys are making gay jokes and calling each other faggot and doing all this weird shit that they're like, oh, I'm not gay. You're gay. Oh, I'm not gay. Mm. And then I'm like, but you want me to walk into the locker room alone with you so you can show me your bar of soap that oh has your pubic hair on it. Mm. Like, it was weird. Yeah, that's weird. That's it was weird. Like, I mean, it was hot. Hell, hot. <laughs> hot. But it was weird. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Randy, sounds like you had a very different experience in your locker room situation. I did. I did not enjoy the locker room. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to remember. I, I think I had to. I feel like once I was in high school, we didn't have to take any kind of phys ed during school. So it would just be extracurricular. So after junior high, I was I just ran track and track practice was out on the field, and then I could shower before rehearsal in the drama room, and I avoided it. And what I remember about, I do remember being like badly bullied in a locker room. Really early, though, probably like sixth grade, like kind of right when having to be in a locker room was something that you started to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the nature of the bullying? I was sort of pinned against a locker and... I wasn't punched, but just like pushed repeatedly by a bunch of people and I couldn't get out for a while and Jesus. I just had to take it. Um, Where the, was it, it was it, ugh, this is such a weird way to ask this, but was it directed at your being gay? Was it directed, were you, was it uh, like a fey thing or what, do you know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, everything was directed at my being gay. Okay. Without a doubt. But that was really early. And then I just remember I mean, even now I like cover my, I'm, I have, I'm definitely have uh, exhibitionist tendencies. I, I look at my career, but um, <laughs> I, I don't like showing off like at all. So I, I covered myself. I was like very, I wasn't ashamed of my body. I just didn't want to like, in like force it on anybody. And I felt like I was like, had all these teenage bodies. Like I had to look at them. I remember one boy smelling like vinegar all the time. Like uh, I just was, it was too much intimacy for me. It was too much closeness (laughs) to male bodies. It freaked me out. And uh, I also think, I mean, when we're talking about unrequited love and things like that, I think I started aggressively compartmentalizing my life 
for safety reasons. And I think early in puberty, I had a few crushes on good friends Mm -hmm. and I stopped having male friends because I couldn't risk it Mm because it got too fucked up. And I think that was part of my sort of like pulling myself out of male company or any kind of male intimacy. And yeah, and I would shout, I felt very safe. There were separate shower stalls in the dressing rooms of the drama building. It was Mm -hmm. closer to the track Mm -hmm. and that was my building, you know, like nobody would come for me there. (laughs) Except for that one diva kid who's super pissed that you sang Rose's turn. Uh, (laughs) I would never have had the balls to sing Rose's turn in high school. That's incredible, though, that like it it kind of related to our theater episode where you literally found refuge in the drama building. Yep. And I think it's one of the reasons because I grew up swimming as like a young kid, but then I I did not swim in high school. I, I switched to track. And my dad, like the other day when I was hanging, he was like, we were all surprised that you didn't swim. And I was like, I just didn't want to like swim indoors. And I, and then now that I'm thinking about it, I think part of it was like avoiding like the locker room experience was one of the reasons I stopped swimming. That's totally, I mean, so I have kind of a similar thing just in that, I mean, I went to a tiny Quaker school though. So we, our, our locker room situation was like potentially like a fraction of what y'all dealt with because we had like. I mean, there were 40 people in my senior class. There were 40. I graduated with 43 other people. And so the boys, like I knew them all. And I definitely, I never got bullied. I got, I got like made fun of in middle school. People used to call me Georgina, but I did my fair share of like clever wordplay and making fun of other people too. So it's like, I, I can't fully claim like victimhood over that shit. Cause I, I, I often gave as good as I got. Uh, which is still true for me today, but oh, I did it. Put it on your grinder profile. That's girl. a meaty pussy. So I, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I a tra- traumatizing incident that I had in middle school, which is like comparatively and relatively speaking, is like not traumatic at all. But I distinctly remember like we were playing basketball in gym, and as far as like changing clothes, we I never saw anyone's balls in high school. We didn't. You kept your underwear oh. off. You kept your underwear uh, on. I didn't see dicks. We didn't do showers. The boys didn't really take showers. We certainly do it, didn't do it in front of each other. And so our locker room was was kind of a sterile environment. The boys didn't really get naked in front of each other. Um, and that was due in large part to the like, that's gay or that's all that bullshit, that fag bullshit that they would say to each other stems in large part to that and i think it also has to do the fact that like it was a tiny school so we all fucking knew each other so it's like Mm -hmm. you couldn't once somebody saw somebody's dick like there was no hiding from it everyone all 40 other people in the class (laughs) knew what that dick looked like (laughs) so so i think that played in large part to like why that like locker room life just was not a thing for us the most traumatizing thing i had happen was like we were playing uh basketball and like i took my shirt off and i put a one of those pennies on, which is like, you know, the A shirt things that you get, like the, jer- the things that basketball players wear. I, yeah. I don't know how you describe it. The jerseys with the, with the sleeves, sleeveless shirts. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> jersey. it's called a jersey. Yeah. Why are you struggling so fucking? <laughs> <laughs> this plays into the trauma of being in high I'm school. Not, and I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm fucking sorry. bitch. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't all have it easy, apparently, like oh. you did. Nobody was offered to show me their soapy pubic yeah, just, 
mounds or whatever. balls and dicks everywhere. Yeah, right. So I distinctly remember, like, I would always used to wear the jersey with a shirt on underneath because I was ashamed of my chest because I thought that my pecs looked like tits. And I just remember one day I was like, I'm going to be bold and just wear the shirt. And my two friends were laughing and they said, it looks like you have tits. And it was the worst feeling I could have ever had. It planted the seed of shame in my body that still manifests to this day. And I don't know, so much of that environment was not so much built around like a shame as far as like exhibitionism is concerned or whatever. Cause like, as far as my exhibitionist tendencies goes, I love being naked and I love being naked publicly. I just don't want to know that you can see me. Does that make sense? <laughs> so like, I love walking around my apartment. I've got these big windows. I'm butt ass naked. And I the whole city of Sydney can see the barbour balls bouncing all over this bitch. But like, as long as I don't know you see me, I'm like, okay. But I feel like the locker room is such like, an environment where you are acutely aware that people can see you. So like even just the act of like taking off my shirt was such a scary thing for me to do. It still is. I still am kind of filled with dread every time I like take my shirt off in someone for at least for like a split second. And then I'm like, you know, fuck this shit. I don't care. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I I don't know. For me, the locker room setting was less about like feelings of being bullied. And it was more about like, just like the extreme insecurity of my body and knowing that like, there was one boy in particular, I will not say his name, but like that I had the craziest crush on in high school. And I would feel insecure, super insecure. We played soccer together. I would feel super insecure about being in the locker room around him because I'd have to take off my shirt in front of him. And this was before I even like openly came out to myself and said like, oh, I'm gay. It was just an awareness that I want these boys to think I have a nice body and the realization that I just like did not. And so that just like filled me with complete shame around these other boys. Uh, let me ask both of you, was there unrequited love in high school? There were crushes. I don't know that it was unrequited love. Okay. And uh, were those crushes ever reciprocated? No, I never even kissed or had anybody even nothing from anybody I had a crush on in high school. Same. Um, I had some weird um, contact. <laughs> <laughs> so you took your soapy pubic thing and you gave it to another guy's soapy pubic bar and uh, no because i had no pubic hair so <laughs> <laughs> just <kidding. laughs> that's not true um however i i would count myself as like somewhat of a really late bloomer so in these conversations what was so fascinating to me about all of these other boys and what they were doing was that i was just kind of like not on the same page like i knew that Sex was the thing. Sexuality was a thing. I worked at the library, so I could read whatever I wanted. I could see whatever I wanted. Uh, okay. But it was just not like a great impulse. And then I also knew that in the little town where I lived, in the community where I was from, I was like, there was one other gay dude in my high school. And I reached for him maybe twice. Metaphorically? No, physically. Not, like, sexually, just, like, trying to be friends. Okay. Mm -hmm. But his whole circle of friends, they were very, like, emo punk, Mm. or what, like, Mm -hmm. they thought was emo punk. Mm. And so he did not respond. And I was like, okay, well, obviously, you know that, like, we're the two obviously gay dudes. (laughs) I shop at thrift stores. And (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember showing up for school one, one year. 
and we called it the gauntlet. It was right at the beginning. It was the longest corridor at the front of, of the high school. I showed up at school and like you walk the gauntlet because this long hallway, there's just students lined on either side. Mm-hmm. So when you enter the school, you have to walk basically this runway past everyone. Mm. What a nightmare. Yeah. Right. So this particular year, I had thrifted all of my clothes, my entire wardrobe. I was ready. I had this like navy blue polyester leisure suit. <laughs> Amazing. Um, this like big floral shirt with like long lapels. And then these like green tinted John Lennon sunglasses and boots. I had my grown woman boots. So that when you walk down the hallway, it gives that like click, 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 click. Absolutely. (laughs) Those are my grown woman boots. And so I showed up that morning and I walked that gauntlet. Mm. And I remember walking up to my friend Marjorie and she was like, you look like such a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I am. (laughs) You know, years later, as we unpack the sadness, my mm. little brother was like, you were so mean in high school. <laughs> and I was like, I was covering. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I was trying to protect myself. Like, yeah. yeah, but like, that's what it was. And so I was very happy in that phase. Like, nobody was sort of touching me. Mm. But I tried to reach out to this kid. He wasn't about it. So high school mostly was about biding your time and getting out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with the locker room, there was a few dalliances mm-hmm. because young men like to experiment sometimes. I heard that, but I didn't get any of this. <laughs> I didn't see that never happened to me. I never had anything like that. So, okay, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. What do you mean dalliance? Like you fooled around with boys in the locker room? Yes. Ugh. She's so jealous. Really jealous. (laughs) It's that moment of acknowledging also because I was really small in high school. Like when I hit high school, I had just broken five feet Mm -hmm. and a hundred pounds. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I was small. And the experiences that I had, it was very clear that like those boys were sort of okay with it. Because of my size. Suggesting that it was a form of like feminization? Yes. Like to me, basically the reason I didn't go back and have those experiences again was because (laughs) I was like, oh, you're not into me. You're not into Mika. You're into the fact that like I have like a 26 inch waist. Humble brag. And and, (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) The cheekbones though sometimes. (laughs) Um... (laughs) No, but it was it, it became this weird thing where I was like, I don't want to be made to feel like that again because it's actually not about me. Like I'm not I'm not yeah. actually not getting any pleasure out of this. Right. So Mika used humor and also had some dalliances. What was your survival technique, Randy? Oh, I'm sorry. Before you add Randy, I just wanna make it clear, Jordan. Mika did not use humor. Okay. I I was a mean bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I, was a I take it back. Bitch. I take it back. Yeah, I was like, you know, you guys tell your mama jokes. I'm gonna talk about your mother. <laughs> How did you survive it, Randy? Delusions of superiority. Like I was like, <laughs> I'm better than everybody here. I I found my place, which was theater. 
Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm good at this fucking thing. I'm going to get the fuck out of the South. You know, all these people don't know how brilliant I am. And, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. And I was safe in theater. And I did feel, I mean, it got me out of Georgia and, you know, I was like, I'm going to find gay people. I'm going to find other theater people. I'm going to be happy someday. And I also, shout out to my female friend. I had about two very, very close female friends who I was out to who were fierce, strong teenage girls who protected the fuck out of me. And I depended on them and... I, those two things, like theater and a few female friends got me through it and just really protecting myself. I wasn't mean, mean, but people started leaving me alone in like 10th grade. I, I stopped being <laughs> bullied because they didn't want to fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I was I was sort of like Ali Sheedy and Breakfast Club kind of scary. That makes sense. Yeah. That whole up. That whole up. <laughs> yeah, like that weirdo. Yeah. Um, stay the fuck away from him. Fair. It was that kind of protection. My route was just overachieving and subverting all of the things that I actually wanted, like the that's what I want stuff that Lil Nas X is talking about, and knowing that I couldn't get it. And so just hiding and hiding behind like grades and being like class president and graduation speaker and fucking lead of the play and all that shit. And I'm a husk. It did make me hollow inside, but like, you know, it got me to where I am, which is, you know, in a hotel in Australia by myself (laughs) in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, I I feel like it led to good things. I Living, living hard. Yeah, I feel like uh, that's as good a place as any to leave it. I think we solved it. I think we solved high school trauma. I think we solved unrequited love and locker room drama. And I think we figured it out. I don't know about Gay you kids in high school will never sorrow again. Never. never as long sorrow. as they have, that's what I want, and they have this episode of Queer Not. They have that's us. Yeah. all they need. That's all they need. Okay, well, gentlemen, thank you for that thorough and robust deep dive. Uh, that brings us to our final segment of the week, our... Cons. At this point of the show, we like to take a look at what's going on in the world and offer our own take as to why it's happening. The truth is here. The truth is queer. And she's got to study for her AP Calc exam. Mika, since you are a newbie to the show, do you have a conspiracy? Um, Doja Cat. <laughs> <laughs> Enough said. That's your conspiracy. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right, Randolph, what is your conspiracy, my love? Yes, I have a conspiracy. That the lack of abundance of bidets in the United States is a (laughs) Puritan-rooted, homophobic (laughs) attempt to prevent Americans from understanding the sexual potential of their assholes. Talk about it. Talk about it. Where did this come from? (laughs) From the gods. (laughs) Thank you, Randolph. Talk about it. I live. I live. That's a very good conspiracy. And true i think you're spot on why don't we have bidets everywhere they're so much better than wiping i mean you still have to obviously dab a bit but like no i don't dab at all i just let my ass (laughs) just just let let it drip 
I just let it's it a, leak. A wet spot. I just let it leak. Airflow. <laughs> yeah, Jose has a a fucking bidet, and it's it's a game changer. Although sometimes the propulsion of the stream hits my taint and causes pain. pain? You just gotta relax. <laughs> Deep breath. Because <laughs> it's cold. His his doesn't have the. Because you used to have one, Randy. That. Oh, could girl, heat up, I had right? the best one back in the day. It was a heated seat, and you could adjust the temperature, and you could like it could it could, it could vibrate. It could be like or like a clear stream, and it could wisp from your vagina to your butthole. <laughs> I gave that shit away. Why? Oh, because we couldn't beads, fit it in our apartment. You couldn't hook right? it up into beads. Well, yeah, the why toilet don't you, and beads. Why didn't you get it back? Well, now I feel like I can't take it back. Why? She's had it for so long. And it, it, it sort of feels weird being like, I'm taking your toilet seat back. <laughs> I don't know. You paid for it. And it like, talk- I mean, doesn't it talk to you? No, it doesn't talk to oh, you. Okay. It does heat up, which is nice in the winter. You take it for granted, but then you don't have it. Girl, I would love my toilet to talk to me. I need someone I to. Thank you. My conspiracy this week is pretty simple. In a similar fashion to, I feel like what we saw with Don Trump, Don Trump, Donald Trump, like uh, uh, really getting on the wave of Twitter, and I think that what we witnessed this week was someone trying to monopolize Twitter in such a way that was meant to mimic someone who had already been president. And I think the reason why she did this is because in 2024. We're going to see Nicki Minaj run for president. That's my <laughs> that's my conspiracy. I think she's putting it out. I think she's making a play for the Donald Trump base, which is why we saw her this week. I bet you in no other week in Fox News' history did they feature Nicki Minaj as much as they did this week. And I think she's smart because she's going to take the barbs from all over the country. And she's going to be able to add these right wing nut jobs who like fully support Trump. And she's building a base. She's building a coalition that is heavily built on this, I'm just doing research kind of thing. And I think it's going to be Nikki. I don't know who her running mate will be. Maybe it's going to be Nikki Doja. Nikki Doja, uh, oh. 2024. Oh my God. <laughs> that made my eye hurt. <laughs> just the right one. <laughs> now that that eye is lazy and it's <laughs> listing off. <laughs> Well, that brings us to the end of another episode of Queer and On with Mr. Sister. Thank you so much to my co-host, Randolph Harrison, and this week's special guest co-host, Mr. Mika Ernest Jennings. Thank you both yes. for, for joining us. It's been a wonderful week. Thank Is you there- so much for having me. I'm just happy to talk to you two at the same time. Aww. Such a treat. Such a treat. I adore. I, I live. Um, and Doja Cat, I don't know any of your music, and <laughs> I don't know who you are. So she is definitely listening to anything this. I've ever said. She's definitely listening. Absolutely. To it is the pleasure of my life that I get to talk to you both. You are the most wonderful friends that a person could ever fucking ask for, and I'm so glad that you decided to join me on my stupid little podcast where I talk about gay shit. Okay, well, that's it. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.
my god i remember okay so when we would go out for gym you go to the locker room everybody would get changed and then you would go out onto the field and there was just a grid of numbers and so everyone had to sit on their number uh-huh. so you each had a specific number and i remember this kid his family i don't know where they're from whatever <laughs> please edit this name out um <laughs> But he sat, what am I thinking of? At my like seven o'clock? What is that? Over your left shoulder? You're right? asking the wrong person. Behind you or in front of, behind you? Seven o'clock, y'all. <laughs> well, I don't know what I'm facing. Am I facing noon? Am I facing? If, 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 I, if I am the clock. <laughs> but are you facing I, six or are you facing noon? Why would I be facing six? If I'm facing the clock, all of the numbers are in front of me. Are you? So what you're saying is you're standing at the center of the clock and you're My looking God. up at twelve. My God. Um, okay. Are you let's under the clock? Say, let's just say over my left shoulder. Okay. Got it. Uh, <laughs> you bitches. <laughs> over my left shoulder. Um, but we'd have to sit on these numbers, and I remember vividly. That because we're sitting on the ground, he has his knees up and his ankles crossed. And when I look over my shoulder, mm. I can see right down his shorts. Yeah. Oh. And that's the first time that I saw red pubic hair. <laughs> okay. And I, was I like, remember oh. having a gym teacher to- teaching us how to do chest presses <laughs> on the bench. And he was wearing umbros and Ugh. no underwear. Ugh. I'm saying oh, I th- th- is that how we all saw our first balls? Because mine was I was like on a bus. No, that that wasn't my first ball. Oh, <laughs> sorry. No, that was no, that was just like because I'm like I'm a black person and I live in a black household, and all of a sudden I'm like, here's this white person. Oh yeah, your pubic hair is red. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it blew my fucking mind and was hot as fucking shit. But that's also after. Was like, I want to show you my blonde pubic hair, but that was in the locker. Room. Jesus, what is your life? This I don't know. This they shit did not happen. Taking their, they were just taking their dicks out, boo. I had to take it where I could get it. They were I, taking yeah. their dicks out. I mean, I remember sitting across from the guy I was madly in love with. I will edit this out, but like, just in the desk, like I could, I distinctly remember, like he was wearing like gym shorts, and I was looking down, and I could like kind of see in there, and like every once in a while he would move like his leg, and I would see a little ball, and it was just like everything for me. And then I looked up, and he was looking at me, oh god, looking directly at his dick, and it was like the most trauma. I just like immediately shut down and never looked that direction in class ever again. And the other time was when I was like on a bus. And was wearing short shorts and I saw I could see his balls and it was just like so sad but like it was just it was my whole world for that brief and I just every my whole entire experience in high school was just like sneaking glances wherever I could see them so if I were in an environment like in the locker room and like we're sitting down and chatting for whatever reason I would I would just be trying to see that dick I would try to be, I'd be trying to see them balls and like I didn't oh, have these boys were they were sending it to me in boxes bitches like I don't understand well, damn, I guess I should have gotten raised in the desert because the fucking suburbs of New Jersey or of suburbs of Philadelphia did not. I mean, I didn't touch nothing. 